Church has observed the custom of appointing sponsors for baptismal candidates and catechumens. In the Evangelical Lutheran Church, sponsors are to confess the faith expressed in the Apostles' Creed and taught in the small catechism. They are to pray for them, support them in their ongoing instruction, and nurture them in the Christian faith, encourage them toward the faithful reception of the Lord's Supper. They are at all times to be examples to them of the holy life of faith in Christ and love for the neighbor. David and Stephanie, is it your intention then to serve James Richard Trenary as sponsors in the Christian faith? If so, then answer by saying yes with the help of God. Yes with the help of God. God enable you both to will and do this faithful and loving work and with his grace fulfill all that we of ourselves are unable to do. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the last chapter of Mark, our Lord promises whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. The Word of God also teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful and are under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. The Apostle Peter has declared, Baptism now saves you. And he says this promise of salvation is for you and for your children. In baptism, God puts his name on us with the water in his word so that there may be no doubt that we are surely his by all that Christ has won for us through his saving death and resurrection. On Wednesday, September 16th, James Richard was baptized with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit according to Christ's institution and promise. This baptism was administered at Good Samaritan Hospital by the Reverend Dennis Bestel. The baptism was witnessed by the child's parents, his attending nurse, and by me. Do you witnesses there of the baptism? Do you attest that this baptism was administered as has been reported? If so, then answer, yes, we do. Yes, yes we do. James, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth of water and the Spirit and has forgiven you all of your sins, strengthen you with his grace unto life everlasting. Amen. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that because of the work of your Son, this child now, because your Holy Spirit has created faith in Christ within him through the sacrament of holy baptism, that this child is indeed your own. And we pray for James Richard that throughout the course of his days, he may be solid in his faith, confirmed in his convictions that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord and his Savior, 
and will therefore be kept unto life everlasting. To this end, bless him. We ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen. James Richard Tremendry, receive now this burning candle, and on each anniversary of your baptism, may it be lit and serve to remind you that though you were once a child of darkness, you have, by the grace of God, become a child of the Lord's light. We pray. Almighty and most merciful God and Father, we thank and we praise you that you graciously preserve and enlarge your family and have granted James Richard the new birth and holy baptism and have made him a member of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and an heir of your heavenly kingdom. We humbly implore you that as he has now become your child, you would keep him in his baptismal grace, that according to your good pleasure, he may faithfully grow to lead a godly life to the praise and to the honor of your holy name. And finally, then, with all of your saints, obtain the promised inheritance of heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless thy coming in and thy going out from this time forth, even now and forevermore, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Father, source of every blessing, mercifully direct and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that we may complete the works you have prepared for us to do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading appointed for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost is from the book of Numbers, portions of the 11th chapter. Now the rabble that was among the children of Israel had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of Israel and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand with you. Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered seventy men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. 
Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. And they were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading from James, the fifth chapter. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. 
For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go into hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in my hands.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Old Testament reading, in particular, these words of Moses. I am not able to carry all of this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. And if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. It was during one of those very busy seasons of the church year when a pastor was quickly leaving his house to go to a meeting and preparing to rush out the door. He was reminded by his wife that he should kiss his little girl goodnight. And so he robustly picked the little girl up into his arms to kiss her goodnight. And as he robustly picked her up, he happened to bring her head past the pectoral cross like mine that he was wearing in the pectoral cross scratched her on the cheek and the little girl in overdramatic fashion cried out daddy daddy your cross is killing me how profound a thought in so many ways how ironic how symbolic because indeed the crosses and the burdens of life that are carried not only by us but by others are so often those crosses and burdens that burden others because we live together and God has placed us together as mothers and fathers and children and parents and grandparents and friends and neighbors and Christians living together. The troubles and the burdens of others, whether it's those of our spouse or our children or our friend, often weigh heavily upon our mind and weigh heavily upon our hearts, even as our troubles and our burdens (coughs) often weigh heavy upon the hearts and the minds of others. Sometimes, indeed, the weight of the burdens that we bear, be it those of our own lives or those of the lives of those people that we love, are often so great that we find ourselves crying out to our Heavenly Father, even as this little girl cried out to her father, we find ourselves crying out to God saying, Father, their cross is killing me. The weight is so great. Isn't that in essence what Moses was saying in the Old Testament lesson for today, in the text for today? Here he was, pictured in your mind, the pastor, if you will, the leader certainly, of over 250,000 family units, some scholars suggest. Over 600,000 men, Scripture tells us, that were being led out of Egypt onto the Promised Land, and he was leading them. He was, if you will, their shepherd, their pastor, and he had this burden upon him. And, you know, they hadn't been out of Egypt for more than a few months, and you'd think that the memories of their 16-hour days laboring under the taskmasters of Egypt, you'd think that their memories of the fields and the quarries and the building sites of Pharaoh were still fresh in their minds. You'd think that the slaughter of their infant sons and their grandsons and their little brothers that had taken place as they would toss them into the river if they were boys to control the population of the Israelites, you'd think that the memories of these things would be fresh in their minds. And you would think also that the awesome spectacle of God's gracious delivery as he performed the multitude of miracles that he did be it the ten plagues that visited the Egyptians in order that they might indeed set the people of Israel free or the crossing of the Red Sea where the waters parted and were huge walls on either side of the Israelites as they crossed through on dry land you would think, wouldn't you that the people would have had the reminiscing thoughts of these things in their minds as they conversed with one another day in and day out about the great things that God had delivered them from and how greatly he had done it. You'd think that would have peppered their conversations. But isn't it true that the memories so often of bitter times are consumed by better times and then those memories of better times also are consumed by present bitter times so that you don't think logically of the whole picture and you don't remember the past as you should. And so it was that the Israelites, despite all that God had miraculously done to deliver them and all that he would delivered them from, they still were complaining and they were bitter because of the burden 
that they felt that they were burying out there in the wilderness. They were now in a situation of desert living, going between one place and a promised land. They were weary of searching here and there for water. They were tired of this manna that God was providing them from heaven. They were angry. They were self-pitying because there was no meat readily available for them to eat. And they became belly acres, complaining and fretting over exaggerated deficiencies in God's administration of their lives. What ingrates. But how they typify the nature of man. And each of us as well, because God so richly and bountifully delivers us from the same thing, even as we celebrated this morning in the life of little James Richard, delivering him through baptism from all of the perils of eternal hell that would indeed be ours were it not for his saving grace. And yet in the course of our lives, how often we too who have been saved from the same look back and don't think of those things, but rather complain about the present burdens that we bear. Luther speaks to the ingratitude and to the blindness of natural man. And he says, God overwhelms man with such frequent and great exhibitions of his miraculous powers and grace. And yet they do not pay attention, nor do they thank him, nor do they marvel at it all. But rather, he says, folk are quite capable of surprise and praise and commendation when some juggler comes into town and walks on a rope or shows a monkey for money. And Luther does indicate, isn't it, the nature of man and how quick we are to find something amazing that is really so simple and mundane, and yet we overlook the greatness and the goodness of God. And we complain and we fret over-exaggerated deprivation. And that's what the people of Israel were doing in our text for today. And then, of course, to whom do they bring their complaints? They didn't bring them directly to the Lord, perhaps in good part because they didn't have the nerve to do it or the faith to do it. And so instead, they bring it to God's representative. They bring their concerns and their complaints to Moses. And he took the brunt of their groans and their grievances, and day in and day out, he was the, the human receptacle into which were poured all of these complaints and all of these troubles, their disgust with each other, their dissatisfaction with the nausea of life that they had in general. But a man can only take so much. A man can only take so much before finally he gives up and he has his own problems, he has his own limitations, even as undoubtedly Moses did, and then when pushed to the limit, he too has to unload, he has to complain, and that's ultimately indeed what Moses did, isn't it? He became frustrated, he, Moses, became distraught with all of these burdens that were being placed upon him, and he becomes so frustrated and distraught that he cries out, Oh Lord, their cross, their burdens, their complaints are all killing me. I can't take it anymore. He becomes self-pitying. Lord, why hast thou been so hard on thy servant? He says, Why have I not found favor in thy sight that thou hast laid the burden of all this people upon me? Sounds a little bit like us from time to time. Why, Lord? Why, Lord, are you allowing these burdens of others to be laid upon me? And I can well assure you that it happens to pastors at times that they think that way. It happens indeed to fathers and mothers from time to time as they feel the strain of their child's sicknesses bearing down upon them, as they feel the stress of their teenager's problems to be more than they can handle. It sounds a lot like husbands and wives who aren't successfully coping with crisis in their own lives, or perhaps they're not dealing with their own differences. Why, O oh Lord, why hast thou been so hard on thy servant? It sounds like older folks who, having once looked forward to retirement, now find themselves financially strapped or physically unable to do the things that they hoped they'd be able to do or hospitalized, or sick all too often, emotionally tried by the troubles of their married children. It sounds like the widow in her loneliness, or the widower in his loneliness. Why, Lord, hast thou been so hard 
upon thy servant? Why have I not found favor in thy sight that thou hast laid this burden upon me? It sounds a bit like us all from time to time, at least what we might think in the recesses of our heart, even if we don't dare with our lips confess these things to be. And so often, where do we go from there? Where do we go from asking, why, Lord, are these burdens laid upon me? Well, where did Moses go from there? Moses went from asking, why, Lord, to then blaming the Lord for his troubles. Was it I, he said, who conceived all of these people? See how he shifts it, just as his father Abraham, uh, Adam had done long before him. He shifts the blame. Was it I who conceived all of this people, he asked? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, carry them? Isn't that what we're so often inclined to do, Lord? This child wasn't my idea, you know. Lord, it surely wasn't my idea to be out of work. I wanted to stay employed, but here I am. Lord, if, if only you hadn't laid all of this on me, I wouldn't have this disease or this ulcer, or these migraines or this high blood pressure or this drinking problem that I've got. Lord, if you had given me a different kind of husband or a different kind of wife, I wouldn't be in the mess that I'm in now. Lord, it was your idea that my husband die and that I be all alone like Moses. We have all entertained those sinful accusations, laying the blame for these things at the feet of God as though God isn't a very good administrator of the daily affairs of our lives. We go from first asking why, Lord, to putting the blame on the Lord indirectly, and then being a bit relieved, we get practical like Moses, and we say, okay, now that I've gotten this off my chest, now I have to be practical, and I have to address the problems that are before me, and so what, Lord, now what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to take care of this problem that's before me? Where, Lord, am I going to get meat for all of these people to eat, Moses says, when they weep constantly before me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. And knowing the heart of Moses, sympathetically understanding the emotional outbursts of his frustrated and frightened servant, God answers Moses' prayer. Despite the inadequacy of it, God graciously answers Moses' prayer and he says, Moses, Here's how I'm going to resolve your problem. You gather for me 70 men from among the elders of Israel. You bring them to the tent of meeting. That's where I'll meet you, and you let them stand there with you, and then I'll come down, and I'll speak with you there, and I'll take the spirit which is upon you, and I will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you won't have to bear it all alone. God addresses in the most practical of ways the problem that Moses had and he does it graciously of his own good and gracious will. What a gracious God Moses had. And what a gracious God you have. He does nothing less. In Moses' case, what did he do? He brushes aside all of Moses' sinful frustration. He sifts through the anger of Moses' upset prayer. And he gets to the core of his servant's heart and his servant's concern. And then with the tenderness and with the wisdom of a patient and a loving father, he guides Moses out of his problem step by step, saying, Gather 70 men, bring them here to the tent of meeting. I will come, I will pour out my spirit upon them. They'll share your burden. And the Lord solves the problem for and with Moses step by step. And as with Moses, God has promised to hear each of our prayers as well to hear and to put up with our prayers as well, to sift through and to answer even our upset and our periodic angry prayers. Don't mistake me to mean that our anger with God is ever right or it's justifiable. It's not. Don't misunderstand me to be saying that we have just reason to blame God for the frustrating predicaments that we find ourselves in in life. We don't any more than Moses did. Finding fault with God's administration of our lives is never something that we dare take lightly. In fact, dear friend, the only reason that God patiently brushed aside the anger that Moses exhibited, the only reason that he forgivenly 
sifts through the accusing garbage that's often implied also in our prayers is that Moses was his son. Moses was his son through faith in the coming Messiah and the Christ who was going to come even as we are his sons and we are his daughters through the same Jesus Christ who has come and is indeed our Savior and is going to come again. God didn't simply ignore Moses' sinful outbursts any more than he could overlook and ignore our sinful and angry prayers at times. It cost Jesus Christ more pain and suffering than you and I will ever know to erase the sinful thoughts that so often prompt our pernicious petitions. The sinful thoughts that would prevent them from ever reaching the ears of Almighty God, but Jesus Christ paid for our sins and even the inadequacies of our prayers. And the Lord Jesus died on the cross for me and for you so that our sin wouldn't stand anymore in the way of our inadequate prayers being heard. He died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven where scripture says he lives there to make intercession for us so that we, when we don't even know how, St. Paul says, to pray as we ought, the Spirit himself, Paul says, is interceding for us. And later in that same chapter of Romans 8, we're assured that Christ himself intercedes for us in order that we're able then to draw near to God through him. That's why even our frustrated and our accusing or angry prayers have been heard, even as Moses' angry prayers were heard and answered because of the intercession of God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who has removed from our prayers all that would disqualify them and with the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray as we ought. What a blessing. What a blessing it is for us to have an advocate with the Heavenly Father as his very own perfect son. No greater advocate with the Father than that. Isn't it good to know that in spite of us and because of him our prayers are heard and that's why we pray as we do in Jesus' name because our prayers would not be heard were it not for the work, the atoning work, the redeeming work of our Lord Jesus Christ. A prayer then that is offered in his name that will indeed be answered according to the Father's goodwill. Ask, Jesus says, and it will be given unto you. Seek, he says, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We pray in his name. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, the Lord says. Why not that we or our wanting prayers are worthy or merit anything at all from God? No, he heard and he answered Moses, and he hears and he answers you. And he hears and he answers me because of the death of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And the constant interceding of our advocate, the Holy Spirit, and our advocate Christ Jesus himself who stands ever before the Heavenly Father on our behalf. And that's why, as St. James says in the epistle lesson today, is reflected in your bulletin cover that the prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effect because it's in the name and according to the will of Jesus who will indeed and can indeed do all that he intends to do for us. So friends, whenever you feel that you've got more than you can handle, as Moses did, whenever you sense that you're nearing the end of your rope, whenever you're frustrated and even angry inside because of the burdens of others that you feel the responsibility to bear, troubles which on top of your own troubles in life seem indeed to be unbearable to you, then go ahead and cry out, Lord, Lord, their cross is killing me. Help me, lift me up, or enable me to say with St. Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And having said it, then be absolutely confident that the Lord will come to your aid. You've got the precedence of Scripture before you. You've got it right here today in the life of Moses, whose troubles and burdens were certainly greater than most of our own that he will come to your aid just as he came to the aid of Moses. He can and he will do what needs in your life to be done. And you know why he'll do it. You know why he'll do it for you. 
he'll do it because he didn't do it when on Calvary his only begotten Son, Christ our Lord, in essence cried out, Father, their cross is killing me. And there was nothing but silence. A deafening, crushing silence throughout the universe as heaven's angels and hell's demons must have gasped at God's response. Yes, it is my son. Their cross is killing you. But it must be. It must be. And so it was. And because it was, you have been reconciled unto the God of heaven, who then raised up his son from the dead that he might still be with us today in his word that we hear in his sacraments that we receive in order to forgive us and sustain us and to strengthen us whenever the burdens of life are there and are laid upon us. Burdens which will never ever be greater than the love and the life and the strength of his Son. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.
Let us now pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We pray. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Grant to us, your people, continued confidence to pray, knowing you've promised to hear our prayer and act for our good according to your gracious will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit continually upon your, the people of your church, that he may so rest upon your called pastors and heralds, that they would preach and practice above all that which magnifies your saving death and resurrection, and that the Holy Spirit might rest upon your hearers, that they might readily hear and confess you, our great prophet, priest, and king. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord God, with whom nothing is impossible, couple in our lives both the opportunity to speak to others of you with the courage to engage them in loving conversation, that many souls who yet wander in sin may through your word be brought into the safety of the saving faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, you have appointed the nations that exist and have established government to curb evil, promote virtue, and to execute justice and equity into every corner of the world. Grant to us good and wise leaders who recognize their authority as that given from above. To this end, bless our president and governor and Congress and courts that their deeds would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear the prayer of your people who are ill and assure them of the eternal healing that awaits them, even while they contend yet below with the ailments of this life. Bless Ruth Allfeld with continued recovery after her past stroke. Grant peace to Marilyn Brewer, who this week undergoes surgery. Help us all in the burden of sickness or any other weight of the world to recall that your Son, our risen Lord Jesus, has overcome the world and that we, baptized into him, will too. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of all compassion, by your invincible promises, comfort those who grieve. Teach them to cast all their cares upon you. Heal their hurt through the promised peace that the world cannot give. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, creator of creatures visible and invisible, in your mercy, send to our aid your holy angels, so that we may be guarded in all of our ways, that our children might enjoy the protection of unsleeping eye, that we and they might be kept this day and this night from all harm and danger, that might come to our bodies or threaten our souls, until that day when we are brought to heaven to join them in beholding you face to face. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, our bodies and souls. For you have taught us to pray in confidence that you will grant our requests, or according to your good and gracious will, that you'll grant what is even better. Hear our prayer for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us together to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.